0: You a common sense and fresh perspective to creating a just society. This is Common Sense on Social Justice. You'll get equipped with the tools you need to carry out social justice right where you are. Now, here's the host of Common Sense on Social Justice, Michael Davis. Thank you so much for joining us today. I am glad that you are here with us as we continue understanding how to create a just society. Right where we are with what we have to work with. Today, we are taking a different look at a topic you should be familiar with, the universal distribution of goods. Now, I'm not going to hash over the same old points, but taking a fresh perspective, uh, at looking at this very uh, necessary element of social justice, that is the universal distribution of goods. Now, today we're going to study a little bit from the commentary of Paramahansa Yogananda on the Gospel of Luke, chapter 12, verses 13 through 59. Now, this is going to be a little bit different for some of you, especially if you're strictly Catholic or Christian or or uh, whatever persuasion. I am actually looking at a commentary from a Hindu monk on the Gospel of Luke, Uh This is taken from Discourse 56 in the commentary of the Gospels called The Second Coming of Christ. Now, uh, Yogananda was a Hindu monk in India, and he died about 1952, so born in the late 1800s. And he uh, came to America, came to Los Angeles, uh, because his guru had... uh, Instructed him to do that, and his goal in life was to study the life of Jesus Christ, study the Gospels, and understand all of the similarities that seem to be uh, presenting themselves uh, between the relationship between Christianity and the Hindu faith, and how, how that all worked, and the understanding of what it is to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And so, again, we're studying Discourse 56 today in the commentary on the Gospels the Second Coming of Christ. A friend had given me this very large commentary, and I got hung up on Discourse 56 because Yogananda does a brilliant discourse on the universal distribution of goods. So as we get started, I want to ask you a couple questions. One, what makes you happy? Why are there such problems in the world? Why is there famine, poverty, homelessness, and war? Yogananda answers this from his look at Luke's gospel account of Jesus' teachings in this passage. Now, Luke 12, uh, verses 13 through 14, we see a man coming to Jesus one day and demanding of Jesus. Now, that's kind of bold of this guy, but he was very, up in the gospel, he's very demanding of Jesus, and you don't do that. Whether you see Jesus as the Messiah, the Savior, a great spiritual master, you don't make demands on someone like Jesus, but this guy had the boldness to do that. He was demanding that Jesus divide the inheritance that was <clears throat> had been left by, apparently, his father, that it be divided properly, because apparently there was a dispute among the siblings there. And Jesus' answer shows us that temporal wealth is of no eternal value. It cannot buy happiness, peace, or fulfillment. Uh, Yogananda mentions in the commentary that his he had observed, and remember, he's living in Southern California in the 1930s, 40s, and 50s, so he's seeing this sort of golden age of Hollywood unfold before him, and he said that he observed that so many rich people are miserable and are filled with anxiety and stress. You know, it's interesting that the poor are often filled with anxiety and stress, but so are the rich, because they've got to figure out how to maintain those riches and wonder who's after them and trying to take them out. It's kind of like a dog-eat-dog thing. Now, Yogananda brings out the example of the crash of 1929 if you are not familiar uh, in 1929 there was a massive crash of the stock market in america and billionaires suddenly became poor overnight i mean we're just talking like an instant drop in poverty and it led to a few years of of just uh, massive poverty uh, coupled with the dust bowl so the dust bowl happens in oklahoma northern texas and these areas so people migrate to the West Coast to even try to find jobs during that time. You have the Grapes of Wrath book coming out of that. And, and so the stock market crash of 1929 revealed that riches cannot bring happiness. Uh, I was thinking of uh, the story of George Vanderbilt. Gloria, I believe he was Gloria Vanderbilt's grandfather. I've been to the Vanderbilt Estate in North Carolina, Asheville, North Carolina. It's definitely worth the trip. It's fascinating to see this house that's beyond imagination. But George W. Vanderbilt was a billionaire in the 1920s. Billionaires today are still very wealthy people, but imagine in the 1920s what it was like to be a billionaire. This guy built this elaborate mansion and uh, there in Asheville, North Carolina, he has all the, you know, famous people, the, the Rockefellers and different people that would visit him at the estate. And this guy's billion, you know, multi-billionaire, although he was a multi-billionaire on paper, really, because it was all in the stock market. And then stock market of 1929 crash happens and one day within 24 hours. <clears throat> he's poor. He's broke. And so he commits suicide. Uh, many wealthy people committed suicide after that crash. And so wealth bring does not bring happiness. It cannot bring eternal life. And so Yogananda states that nations should focus on one thing only, and that is knowing and pleasing God. Straight up, Yogananda just says, boom, here is what America, China, India, Russia, England, whatever nation you are. The nation should focus on one thing only, knowing and pleasing God. Can you imagine what the United States of America would be like if our whole goal was just to know and please God? It would look radically different. You wouldn't recognize it from what it is now. He states that if nations were to do this, then war, famine, Poverty and hunger would cease. He said that these sad realities are a result of individual, corporate, industrial, and national greed. So really, he's saying the root of injustice is our greed, is our rejection of God. Yogananda says if we made it our whole goal in life to know and please God, then injustices would be corrected rather quickly. You know, I remember reading one of Yogananda's commentaries on the Bhagavad Gita one time, and he said, you know, if we understood the absolute importance of eternal life and the absolute importance of knowing God, we would do nothing but pray and meditate 24 hours a day. If we absolutely, truly understood what it is to know God. Uh, I was thinking of uh, an example of individual greed that Yogananda brings out and one of them would be something that is baffling to me right now is the sheer amount of storage units that are being built now if you don't if you live in a small town you may not understand this as much but if you live in a major city like I do in Portland Seattle places like that it is mind-boggling to me as i drive around the portland metro area to see the sheer amount of storage units that are being built and we're talking huge complexes of storage units. these are not one story three or four buildings we're talking four stories there's one in Portland. it's 10 stories and i mean these things go way back into a property these places are huge and then you look at people's garages. Nobody can seem to park their car in their garage because their garage is jam-packed with junk, with stuff. You know, So individual greed is there. You've got corporate greed. If companies would pay more money to the workers at the, quote, bottom and less at the top, then no one would struggle. Why is it companies hang all the money at the top and they can't seem to get it down to the the people on the assembly line or the janitors people everybody's necessary in that company why is it people have to struggle to pay their bills uh, you know, national greed uh england you know stole resources from india and kenya and other nations all over the world and used it for themselves i mean i was reading this morning about the East India Company how England in the 1700s had just absolutely decimated India and other countries and therefore it created the American Revolution it said we're done with this monopoly of the East India Company but that all came from England's greed and so England has stolen resources from other companies, and in my work among the poor in Kenya, I've seen physically the outcome of India or of England stealing Kenya's resources. And, you know, I think of the deforestation of northern Kenya. Now, most of Kenya is very green, very beautiful, but northern part of Kenya by South Sudan and Ethiopian borders is just desert that were mass starvation for decades because England deforested that area one of the things that makes people from india i know a lot of people from india and one of the things that makes people from india very angry at england about is when the british ruled you know they stole their resources and the jewel that is in the queen's crown if you've seen that that was stolen from india And so when India sees the queen's crown, they get very angry because they're like, that was ours. And they stole it from us, you know, and then it left. Of course, all of this left the people of India in a deep poverty and famine, Uh, government greed. Taxes, 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 man, they cause so many issues. I live in a uh, just a. Uh, high tax state oregon oregon is insane with taxes and they seem to pass more they're passing more tax now with runaway inflation and an economy that's tanking my wonderful governor is just continuing to pass more and more taxes and when i look at how much gets taken out of my paycheck it's like i don't have much left for myself and so i have to figure out how am i going to get food this month why? Because of the insane amount of greed in the government. It's That greed is city government, county, state, national, you know, greed, government greed, and it causes a lot of issues. Now, Yogananda says, if, <clears throat> says that if nations and individuals and corporations would stop stockpiling and start distributing wealth, then everyone would have enough. You know? And the fact is, not everybody can accumulate wealth. I know there's this, this sort of philosophy out there that in capitalism, it's unlimited potential of wealth for everybody, but that just isn't so. It's never worked out that way. You know, just like the ideals of communism, the ideals of socialism, and the ideals of capitalism, none of them has ever worked out. So they're not real. They're just ideals in somebody's head. But he says everyone would have enough if individuals, corporations, and nations would stop stockpiling and start distributing wealth. Now, in Luke, uh, we see in uh, the next few verses, Luke 12, verses 16 through 21, he states, Yogananda states on this section of the gospel that uh, those who pursue worldly wealth are under a delusion. That they're forfeiting their soul. Saint Liguri in his book, Conformity to the Will of God, I encourage you to read that. I've got it at home. It's a very tiny book, just takes a few moments to read. But Saint Liguri in Conformity to the Will of God says that wealth has great potential to cause you to lose your soul for eternity. Yogananda states that pursuing worldly wealth is a delusion and that people who do so are forfeiting their soul. So you've got the Christian and the Hindu perspectives saying the exact same thing. Yogananda goes on to ask, if you get great wealth and ignore your soul, what are you going to do after death? Too late then. Then what? You see. We're so bound as humans, aren't we, to just think in the here and now. That's why when it comes to creating a just society and dealing with injustices, I try to get you to think a little bit deeper, a little bit wider, and a little bit further into the future. Because we're so so narrow-minded as humans. I know that fundamentalist Christians get get a bad rap for being narrow-minded but i'm sorry all humans are narrow-minded the 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 executive at nike who's just so focused on money 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 he's being narrow-minded the black lives matters uh uh workers the 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 protesters who's just all about race 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 they're being narrow-minded If we can just fix this right here, right now, with this one answer, that's narrow-minded. Okay? We have to get more, or have to get deeper and look further into solutions. Now, one comment that Yogananda makes that I love is that he says, corporations too often have 1,000 people and they see 999 competitors. He says that we should rather say there are 1,000 workers, therefore there are 999 helpers. I like that. I think of The Office, that sitcom that was on a few years ago, The Office, and you've got Dwight, who's always in competition, always trying to figure out a plan to take out somebody. But that's kind of how we are, you know, as humans, instead of saying, wait a minute, these people are on my team. And here's the sad reality is that we allow disabled people, those who are unemployed and the elderly to go hungry. And we see them as an object of charity, not as a worthy part of the human family. We sadly view people in a way that if they're not useful to industry, then they don't matter. And we've got to stop that. We've got to stop seeing human beings as a part of the machine, you know, uh, that, they're, that they're necessary, that humans are a tool to be used to m- promote the industrial complex. And if they're no longer useful, then they just get cast away. And uh, I'm going to be doing a podcast here in the near future called The Abandoned Places of the Empire that ties right into that. We just throw people that are not useful to the abandoned places of the empire. But if we want world peace, if we want happiness, if we want justice, then we must radically shift our thinking on this and start seeing people not as a tool for the industrial complex, but as the image of God with full dignity, full worth, that those who are disabled, whether it be mentally or physically, those who are out of work, those who are elderly, that they are so valuable to society. Now, let's go on to the next set of verses, Luke 12, through Uh, 32 through 34, where Jesus states that what really matters in life is the pursuit of God. That's what matters. Momentum mori. You are required to die, you will die. That's your job, that's your destination is death i remind myself of that every day i'm starting to get more and more in touch with that especially the older i get headed to the grave and after that comes eternity all this stuff here and now is so temporary it's so short term this life is so short i'm turning 51 in a couple weeks and i cannot believe i'm turning 51 i f- feel like i should still be 20 you know it's like what happened boom I'm staring the average lifetime, <laughs> average length of a life in the face now. So very short is this life. And as Yogananda uh, and as Jesus reminds us that the what really matters is the pursuit of God. And Yogananda spends the rest of this discourse saying that we need not focus on industry, but rather on meditation that our sole focus should be to know and be one with God. That is where true peace and happiness are, and that is why we exist. So you may ask, what does this have to do with social justice? Has everything to do with social justice. If our one focus is God, then we as individuals and as nations will not go to war with each other. We will not stock up selfishly. We will not ignore the poor, but rather we will naturally distribute what God has given us for the sake of everyone, because that's what God does. There's not only forests and rivers in Oregon, there's forests and rivers all over the United States, even in the desert states, there's forests, there's forests and rivers all over the world. There's not only an ocean on the coast of Africa, there's ocean all over the world. There's not just animals on one continent. There's animals on every continent. Even on the continent that can't handle human beings, there's penguins. There's snow all over the world. There's rain all over the world. There's sun all over the world. God generously and equally distributes his goods to the world, and so should we. And so knowing and pursuing God leads us to be the same, where we distribute generously and equally to everyone what has been so generously given to us by God. And so Yogananda shows us that you want real social justice, know God. And once you know God, the justice will come. Yogananda finally concludes by saying that we will see once nations and individuals pursue God, then we will see a United States of the world, a human family that knows no bounds, a human family that is truly connected to one another. One day I was walking down a neighborhood street on the north side of Eldoret, Kenya, and a Kenyan man had walked out of a bar and was rather inebriated. He was talking loud, slurring his words, And and his words were in Swahili, but he was even slurring those words. And he put his arm around me and loudly proclaimed, This is my brother! I had to laugh. I thought to myself, Wow, the human family, the human race really is one family. A person who is drunk in America and one who is drunk in Kenya are one and the same. Why is it that we have to be drunk? Why do we have to be drunk in order to proclaim, this is my brother? (laughs) And why is it that when we are sober, we proclaim, this is my enemy? Now, I'm not advocating being drunk, but what I'm saying is maybe, (laughs) maybe it is because when we are sober on alcohol or drunk, whichever, that our mind is always drunk on the illusion that we are separate from one another. When we become one with God, then we truly see the divine image and the brotherhood of everyone. And then we begin to distribute the goods given us by the creator and ensure that everyone thrives. Then we begin to create a just society right where we are. You've been listening to Common Sense on Social Justice with your host, Michael Davis. A common sense and fresh perspective to creating justice where you are. Share your comments and questions with Michael by emailing sjcommonsense at gmail.com. That's sjcommonsense at gmail.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider sharing it with a friend.